Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world with the bravery to play Ponder Replay at the halftime show. Riri, a lot of respect. We love you. What are we doing? Hey, Mr. DJ. Uh, I know. I, I wasn't sure how far back into the catalog we would be going. I thought coming into the night, I thought at least SOS would have been a lock. I would have put so much money on SOS being played. It seems like she didn't want to go back farther than Umbrella. A little disappointing. Overall, incredible performance. We love Rihanna. Uh, unbelievable uh, just, you know, resume. And it was very cool to see her perform. And obviously the highlight of last night's television show. Yeah, I watched uh, some of the Super Bowl last night. And the Super Bowl is over, Jordan. And that means it's baseball season oh which, yeah <laughs> which is a dumb motif uh theme phrase that we will talk about today yeah. on the show but mr schusterman yeah my colleague and friend what can people expect on today's episode well we're going to talk about uh first of all we have some actual transactions we're going to save those for later because the real exciting stuff that we got since we last recorded are the official rosters for the world baseball classic we honestly have not talked a whole lot about WBC um, yet. We certainly will with the event, you know, coming up in the next month or so. Obviously, we love it. Obviously, we're excited. But it was very exhausting keeping track of all the leaks about the preliminary rosters and who's in and who's out and guys were committing and decommitting and all kinds of stuff. Now we have the official rosters coming announced from the official teams, and now we can talk about them. So that's going to be the first half of our show. Uh, and then we have another interview. Very excited about this one. We are going to talk to Pete Crow Armstrong of the Chicago Cubs. Um, fantastic conversation with Pete. I mean, Cubs fan or not, you are going to love this dude uh, no matter what. Mets fans, it's going to be okay. Uh, but I think you will enjoy this conversation. Pete is, is an awesome guy and, and very easy to root for and, and very he thinks about baseball in a, in a very interesting and cool way, especially for someone who, again, is only 20. Well, that's what was cool for us, right? Like we we have him on and he goes, this is an honor. I've been following your, you guys since like I was 13. And Jordan and I are like, oh, my God. Like no. it was really one of the first times that I have felt, you know, a, a, aged at our ripe old age of 27. But Let's hop into the WBC because you're right. There were yeses and nos and people in and out, but we did get those 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 rosters, 30 baseballers on each team. Okay. 20 teams. Gonna, 20 mm -hmm. teams, 30 players on each team. Three times two is six. 
So that's going to be 600 players. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. Yes. And, you know, I will say with the event still not starting for another month, I'm sure we're going to have a couple swaps in and out. But for the most part, these are the guys we are going to be seeing play in the WBC. And the most basic reaction to that is, holy shit, that's a lot of famous and cool baseball players. And not that that hasn't necessarily been the case in past WBCs, but this is, I think, by far the most loaded uh, group. And, and, and that is the headline because this is an event that, of course, baseball has wanted to build up to a, a very significant thing that people take seriously. And I think that this is the most that it is being taken seriously. And I think that that's ridiculously exciting. You would never see a scenario where a soccer team would say, sorry, you can't play in the World Cup. <laughs> We need you for our relegation fight. Well, you right. know, that I mean, it doesn't all exist. The whole the whole world stops, right? The whole world stops. And that is part of I mean, the World Cup has so much more cachet yeah, than this. Right. But we are getting closer to that. It will never reach that for a million reasons. But from the perspective of players being allowed to play this and, and wanting to play. This is the biggest we've seen. Now, that being said, Jordan, what I love the most about the WBC is the talent discrepancy Mm. that we get between the best players in the tournament and the worst players in the tournament. Because the gap between Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna, all the way down to people who just like work day jobs at (laughs) places in New York City. Which we will get to. Or, I mean, like entire teams worth. Forget, I know you're mentioning in Team Israel, I I, I assume. But like the Czech team, right, is basically like half, not even half, like a a quarter minor leaguers and a quarter guys that are just regular ass dudes that like play men's league in the Czech Republic. Like, and, and I'm so glad you're mentioning that because this is the only opportunity. We've sometimes bantered about the idea of an FA Cup in baseball where you have the best, for those of you who don't know, basically it's an English soccer tournament where every level of professional soccer in England essentially is eligible for this tournament to the point where you can have Manchester United playing essentially, you know, your your friends down the street. Uh, that, that is a simplified version of it, but I mean, is that a fair, a fair way to ca- categorize it? Yes, and we don't get that in baseball. The it's best impossible. players it's impossible. play against each other all the time as they should, and that is usually the most entertaining type of baseball. But getting... The opposite, the flip side of that, there is some narrative heft to it, and it is entertaining in its own right, and I'm excited to see it. So let's go pool by pool. Let's splash around, and we'll start in the kiddie pool, a.k.a. Pool A. Uh, And we're not going to go deep into all these teams or anything. We're just going to say a roster, say a couple names, and move on. Jordan, Chinese Taipei. Of course we'll do – I just want to say, of course we'll do more full preview once we get closer to the actual event. But this is just reacting to teams – Chinese Taipei, obviously, they're not not too many uh, recognizable names. Some minor leaguers um, like Kaiwei Tang, who's in the Giants system. He had a really good year last year. And Yu Chang, who we saw in the big leagues, the infielder with Cleveland. So a couple guys there. But other than that, um, you know, this is this is a, a country that has produced big leaguers, obviously, but not too many recognizable names here. Four Fubon Guardians who will live forever in my heart as being the only sports going on at the beginning of COVID. <laughs> Very true. Shouts out to the CPBL, yes. Team Cuba, there's a headliner here, and that is that Yoenna Cespedes, the one and only, the love of our lives, the beat in our hearts, he is playing in the fucking WBC in the year of our Lord, 2023. He has not played in the big leagues since the summer of 2020. 
Mm-hmm. He played uh, winter ball this past year in the Dominican and then like came up lame while running. He was for- injured multiple times, but also hit a few home runs. He's 37. Now, listen, if we hadn't, you know, uh, committed our entire uh, brand to him, then the real headline here is that Luis Robert and Yoan Moncada are playing for Team Cuba. That is the real headline here, which is that the first time we were having active MLB players play- still playing with Team Cuba. Um and that is a huge deal and obviously also makes this team just more interesting because there's more recognizable names. But obviously we're, we're most focused on Yo uh, and just and just seeing him have this opportunity to play for them too, right? Because he also kind of counts in this bucket of someone who long ago defected and obviously he's been playing in MLB and is getting to go back and play with them. Now, I will say the Team Cuba conversation is far more complicated than anything we can re- review on, on any single podcast, but maybe we'll get into it a little bit more in, in future weeks. The one name I want to mention here is Levon Moinello. I don't know how much you know about him. He is a left-handed pitcher who has been one of the best relievers in Japan for the last few years. So much fun to watch. Like I, ho- I don't know if he's going to start for them. He's one of my most favorite pitchers to watch In that's not an MLB. He's amazing. I encourage everyone to look him up on YouTube. So Levon Moinello, shout out. Team Netherlands, a uh, name, a lot of names here you will have heard of. Headliner is Xander Bogarts, which I find awesome, right? He just goes to the Padres and he's like, ah, I'll see you guys in a bit. Uh, other names, you know, the uh, Jerickson Profar, who's still a free agent, is playing. And Jolton Simmons is on this team. Kenley Jansen is on this team. Didi Gregorius, who doesn't have a team right now. Jonathan Scope is on the Tigers. And Roger Bernadina, Pedro Strope is apparently yeah, Strope, on this Strope team. was a surprising one. I, I didn't know that he had um, uh, some some Dutch heritage, but that's cool. The one that stands out to me, of course, Sicknar of Loopstock. I mean, one of our favorite minor league names ever. See him one of the catchers. The Bogarts one is interesting because that's going to give more time for Tatis to just play shortstop while he's gone <laughs> in spring training. So that works out. Uh, that works out quite nicely. Uh, for them. Um, and Hassan Kim's going to be playing for Korea. So, um, <laughs> but Tatis will have uh, the shortstop position all to himself in, in spring training. Well, He's going to do the thing where the one player plays all nine positions, <laughs> but for the Padres in spring training. Uh, team Italy, mm. lot to talk about here. The manager of this team is Mike Piazza, whose managerial tenure involves crashing and burning a third division Italian soccer club into the ground. But apparently did not prevent him from getting this post. <laughs> the, the Italian Baseball Federation, I suppose, did not mind his soccer background. And yeah, I mean, we know the headliner here. It's Vinny Pasquantino, former, former podcast guest and obviously up and coming star. But there's a lot of recognizable names. The Fletcher brothers, for those of you who didn't know that David Fletcher had a younger brother, Dominic Fletcher, who's also in the minor leagues. He might be a big leaguer this year with Arizona. Um, For those of got, you that didn't know that either of them were Italian, they apparently <laughs> that's are. That's also true, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's some other, you know, uh, Nicky Lopez, um, uh, Vinny's teammate is a cool one. And then Sal Freilich is one that I'm really excited about, uh, a Brewers prospect who one of my favorite players uh, in last year's draft. So excited to see. I don't know if he's going to start, but that's definitely a player I'm excited to see. And if the vibes on this team, you thought, oh, those are too good. Don't worry. Matt Harvey is here too. Uh, <laughs> Panama, the last team Panama, in. Yes. Pool A, not a whole lot to talk about here. Uh, Ruben Tejada mm-hmm. is still kicking. Love that. Love that. I team. would say, you know, there are a couple big leaguers that we've seen, like relievers, Humberto Mejia, Justin Lawrence. Um, I would say Yvonne Herrera, who we thought was like the heir apparent to Yadier Molina, and then they signed Wilson Contreras, so he's probably still more in a third. I feel like he's just going to get traded at some point. But yeah. in terms of talented and recognizable names, he's definitely the one on there. All right, and let's then, move on to – oh, yeah, well, anyone else in Panama? Yeah. Jonathan Araouz. Araouz. 
Ooh, yes, him and Alan Cordova, two uh, Rule 5 legends there uh, <laughs> at the end of Pool A. All right, let's move on to Pool B being played in Tokyo. And yes, let's talk about Team Japan, who has to be considered the favorite. I believe they've never finished out of the top three in the WBC, and they've won uh, multiple um, that is not an accident. This team is amazing. And there's a reason that this is, of course, the second best league in the world. And, oh, they also have the two best Japanese players playing for them. That's the thing. So there are five big leaguers on this team. Yoshida, who just signed with the Red Sox. Sei Suzuki, who signed with the Cubs last year. Yu Darvish, who we'll talk about a little bit later. Sho- uh, Shohei Otani, who uh, I think he's a starter for the Angels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Lars Newtbar, outfielder for the Cardinals, who had a breakout campaign in 2022. Uh, he has some Japanese heritage and will be suiting up for Team Japan. Now, those are the names that you've probably heard of. The names that you should definitely know uh, in Japan, in the NPB, far and away, most important guy to know is Roki Sasaki. Roki Sasaki, 21 years old, uh, RE, probably the hardest thrower in Japan, maybe in Japan history, certainly since Otani was around. Um, you know, he dealt with some injuries last year, but like straight arm talent, this is about as good as it's, it, it gets in Japan. So very excited to see him start. And then, I mean, some of the other players who hopefully we'll see in the big leagues over the next few years, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, another one of the best pitchers left over there, and then Munitaka Murakami, who just hit 5 billion homers this past year. So that team is loaded. The fact that they have Otani and Darvish, I imagine Darvish and Otani will only pitch once, um, maybe twice. But either way, uh, that team is ridiculous and could, if they win it all, would not be surprising whatsoever. Team South Korea. This is one I absolutely love. Let's start with Tommy Edmond, who is Korean American mm-hmm. and is on this team. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the roster, his name stands out because it's the only one that's not Korean. And I don't know if he speaks Korean mm-hmm. or not, what his grasp of the language is, history of the language is. But if he doesn't speak Korean, it's going to be a fascinating kind of environment for him to be in where all these guys are just speaking Korean all the time. And he, well, yeah, when, when they, he's just, <laughs> when, when they're playing Australia, he's just going to have to chop it up with them. But yeah, I don't know. I don't, it's, it's a good question. But, you know, same with Nupar, right? I mean, yeah. I don't think it's the same thing with him. And it's cool that it's two, two of the young Cardinals. Um, and yeah, they, but he's, is the same thing. I think both of the, the managers, um, and the guys in charge of team Korea and team Japan are just like, yeah, I know we are costing someone from the KBO or MPB a spot, but it's like, we're trying to win this thing. And if these guys are eligible and they're willing to play for us, then we will happily take them. <laughs> and that makes sense. The, uh, the two guys to know on this team, uh, obviously Hassan Kim, who is on the Padres right now. And then Beck Gung who we all fell in love with during the KBO uh, boon of 2020. Yes, and I'm excited about Beckham because he just had a terrible season um, despite the Wiz, you know, having another good year. He was just hurt and not good. So I hope he's healthy and I hope that he's awesome and plays. But a lot of other recognizable names, you know, Byung-ho Park, uh, Hyun-soo Kim's playing, of course. So a lot Sung of recognizable Bum-na. names on Team Korea. Yep, Sung Bum-na, who ne- never quite made it over to MLB, but still definitely a good player. Team Australia, Chris, you want to hop on and uh, oh yeah, we got to come on. We got to we got to get our our official. Wow, what are we doing? Anything? So take it away. Anything you're excited about the Team Australia roster? My guy Daryl George is the big one. I watched a lot of Daryl George when he was playing for the Aces. I used to work for the Melbourne Aces for a few years, and he was one of the star players for him. And so he's my guy heading into this tournament. Twenty nine year old infielder. And I've just I've loved watching him play for a very long time. So he he's the guy that I'm looking forward to. 
that's a that's a, a fascinating pick, uh, Daryl George, who did play in the minors with the Rays um, and has not for a while. But that's a great one. That's a great one because again, what we I wouldn't have said anything about Daryl George, and so I'm glad you did. The one I wanted to ask you about is Chris Oxpring, just because he's been around for as long as you can be around. I think in, in baseball. Yeah, go ahead, Jake. He is the oldest player in the WBC. Chris Oxpring, born in uh, May of 1977, making him 45 years old. <laughs> I was what? surprised when I saw his name on the roster. I'm like, he's still playing? Yep. Yep. Him and Warwick Sopold still going. I mean, a lot of a lot of recognizable uh, pitchers that have been around Team Australia for a really, really, really long time. He's not young. His name's not Chris Offspring. That's true. That's that's a it's a good point. I, I'm trying to think if there's any other it's really not I, Todd Van Sleesel, that's a name that I think some people might recognize. Liam Spence, I, Josh Spence's brother. Oh, there you go. And then I know Aaron Whitefield, who uh, I think is still with the Angels. Um, so that's another one. I know he made the big leagues with the Twins. So there's some, and some obviously no Liam Hendricks because he is go- undergoing treatment for cancer, so he's not playing at all this season. Yeah. It is, I would say, a little bit of an underwhelming group from Australia in terms of on the national, in national, on the international stage. The best Australian hitter in the world right now is a kid named Travis Bazana, who is a well Curtis Mead. <laughs> Curtis Mead. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, who also, I'm not sure why Curtis Mead isn't playing or if he wanted to, if the Rays didn't want him to. But um, but yeah, Travis Bazana. Sorry, continue. I just didn't want to forget Curtis Mead there because he's close to the big leagues. Yeah. Curtis Mead is a third base prospect in double AAA with the Rays, who's like a top 50 prospect in He'll baseball. He'll be a big leaguer this year, yeah. Travis Bazana is a junior sophomore at, sophomore. Oregon, a sophomore at Oregon State who's an outfielder who's a name to know for the future. No more Australia ta- chat. Chris, go away. Uh, uh, China. This China. is the worst team in the tournament. Yeah, it's the worst team in the tournament. Um, they do have a couple interesting names, including uh, one player who I do remember because he plays in Korea, and that's Ju Kwan, just because he was just one of the KT Wiz pitchers, and I recognize him. I don't know what his eligibility is and why he's choosing to play for China, not Korea, but I thought that one was interesting. Um, but yeah, and then they have this guy, Ray Chang who is uh, a guy who is is American, American Chinese, uh, Chinese American guy who has played in America, played indie ball, and has, I think, played for Team China for like the last three or four tournaments. Um, 39-year-old shortstop, Ray Chang. So that one I'm excited about. And he's a coach as well. Yes. He's listed well, as a coach. Yes, and a we player. have some some dual. For some of these other teams, we definitely have some playing multiple, multiple roles here. Uh, last team in Pool B is the Czech Republic, easily one of the biggest stories of the qualification round um, for them uh, qualifying in the in the German uh, qualifier. I mean, Eric Sogard, who was not playing for them in that in that uh, qualification, he pops in here as the most recognizable name. But there are a couple other uh, interesting names. I know Martin Cervenka, a guy who's in the in the Orioles uh, minor league system forever. I don't think he ever made it to the big leagues, um, but that's one who's definitely played a lot of pro ball. And then, do you know about uh, do you know about Merrick Schlupp? Are you familiar about this Merrick Schlupp guy? No, okay. I'm not familiar with Merrick Schlupp. Well, Merrick Schlupp, you should know about because he is currently uh, one of the best hitters on North Greenville University. Uh, he's 24 years old and uh, one of the best hitters in Division Two, and also will be one of the best hitters um, for Czech Republic. So uh, that is, and again, there are a couple active active uh, college players in this tournament, believe it or not, which is pretty fun. But other than that, yeah, I mean, it's going to be just like Eric Sogard being like, holy shit, face of MLB, Eric Sogard. Don't face you, don't the, you, don't you damn forget it. There's face some of people the who Czech Republic. This. Yes, face of Czech Republic, face of Czech Republic baseball, Eric Sogard. All right, let's move on to Pool C. 
uh, Team USA. Yeah. Let's just talk about Mike Trout for a second. Look, there are a lot of great players on this team, on, on this uh, roster. Obviously, they're going to be great. One of the favorites, whatever. I just want to talk about Mike Trout for two minutes because to me, Mike Trout playing uh, signals two things. One, um, and they asked him this on the show when they revealed the rosters. Uh, Chris Young was like, hey, um, you know, you have it felt like a, a goofy question, but I had the same thought. It was like, oh, um, does it give you, you know, a little more added motivation, like to have the opportunity to play on the big stage? Because, you know, you haven't played on the big stage very much in the last 10 years. And Trout was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. Because like, yeah, obviously, like I'm sure that was part of his like, oh, I get to play in games that matter. Yes, sign me up and be the captain and be the best player and get to like play for something and raise a trophy. Yes, I will do that. <laughs> and also we get pictures of Mike Trout in a Team USA uniform for the rest of our lives. You know what I mean? Like, which we don't have. We have those photos of Griffey from 2006 mm-hmm. in the Team USA, USA jersey. And that's, that's, I look at those and it still makes me happy. And yeah. so I'm, I'm amped that we'll get to have Trout for that. Uh, any other things that are interesting here? Kyle Higashioka making the team is hilarious. To but me. that's perfect. I mean, honestly, like we all we knew was all of these rosters is true as we go through the other loaded teams. Like it's more hitter friendly than pitcher friendly. We knew that's going to happen. The pitchers are the ones that are less likely to commit. I know it was oh Logan Webb's going to play. Okay, he's not. There was a couple other ones where you thought oh maybe they're going to do it. Like whatever. This lineup is going to be crazy. And honestly, give me the first of all, it doesn't matter. Real Muto's playing, so I don't really see why it matters that Kashioka is on the roster. But even if he is, like, dude, like that's who I would want managing my pitching staff, who which is yeah. less talented than you know some of these other ones. So that's fine. I doubt Hagashioka plays it inning because Will Smith is the backup as well. We'll do a full oh, yeah. breakdown of Team USA at some point. Team Mexico, a team that Jordan is uh, raising his eyebrows over <laughs> quite a bit. I'm in. I'm in. This this is a very, very exciting roster. So, I mean, the pitching, you could argue, is close to as good as, as Team USA's, at least. Maybe not the Dominican, but you have Urias on there. You have, you know, Urquidy, Tywin Walker, Patrick Sandoval. Because, again, you, you just need, you know, five or six good starters, and then you'll kind of patch together from there. A little bit worried about the bullpen, but some really fun names in the lineup. Randy Rosarena. Uh, if you're confused about that one, that's because he, I believe, still lives in Mexico. I know he established residency there and has spent a lot of time in Mexico. So he's got a lot of ties there. And then some other fun names, of course, Verdugo. That's one we expected. But Alec Thomas is one, uh, is a fun one to see. Because we don't have, I, if, if there's one thing that I've noticed, there's not that many prospects playing across the board. So the ones that are going to have that opportunity to play and get playing time, I'm very excited about those. And Alec Thomas, I, maybe he's not technically prospect eligible anymore, but I'm excited about that one. I think this lineup's really good. Also, Joey Manessis, dude. Joey Manessis. I mean, come on. We got we got to get to get Joe. Is he going to be batting cleanup? He should be. My favorite part about this is that Austin Barnes has been on the Dodgers for ten years, and I had no idea he was Mexican American in the <laughs> in the largest Mexican American market in the country on the Dodgers. Yeah. Like, you know, I had zero idea. I had zero yeah. idea. Maybe that makes me a bad reporter. Columbia, <laughs> Columbia, mm. Team Columbia. Uh, the headliner here is uh, friend of the show, not friend of the show, Nabil Krismat. Who was born on what day, Jordan? He was born on Chris Matt, of course. Uh, Chris Matt, 1994. They have some recognizable names. Him, uh, they've got Tehran Guerrero, who I hope he's still throwing a million miles an hour. Uh, Jose Quintana uh, is going to be playing for them. I assume he'll be their game one starter. A little bit more light on offense, but, you know, Urshela's playing. Jorge Alfaro, who's very fun. We just watched him have a grand old time in Lidome. Uh Harold Ramirez, too. That's another guy who's pretty, kind of established himself as, as a good major league hitter. So I, I like this Columbia team, but definitely... Definitely a less impressive offense than some of these other, uh, you know, major league uh, 
you know, heavy rosters. I have three things to say about Team Canada, okay? Number one, holy shit, Freddie Freeman is playing for them. That is going to be very cool and very funny. I, I know that he is of Canadian, like, descent, but he was born in California and raised in California, and I love that he chooses to play it's both, for yes, both his parents. I mean, both his parents are, yes. like, full Canadian-born. So, I didn't he already – This is I don't think this is the first time he's played for them, or maybe I'm wrong. No, um, I, I – He's played for them before. No, yeah, I, yes, I think yes, it's great yeah. because he he could be the first baseman for Team USA. Like he could just it could be him or Paul Goldschmidt, right? And he's like, <laughs> so oh, I I, he's say. like, I don't want to be messy. Like I don't want to fight with Paul Goldschmidt over this or Pete. I'm just gonna go beat Canada's guy. Totally, totally, and I and I love that. And and that's the other thing, you know, getting back to how we started this conversation. Like I love this because, and yes, Team Canada has some really good players, but. The upset potentials in these tournaments is so much more fun and so much more rewarding, right? And the stakes for for Freddie Freeman, he realizes it's going to be way more to me if I can somehow win as Team Canada than it is if I win as Team USA. I love that. And then on the other end of the spectrum, Team Canada has five pitchers, 35 or older, none of whom still play organized professional baseball all of whom are just blasts from the MLB past. Sean Axford is 39. Scott Matheson is 39. Adam Lowen, who played in the first WBC all the way back when, he's 38. Andrew Albers, 37. Philippe Almont is 34. And it's just like, these dudes are like, hey, you want to go do it? Yeah, let's go do it. Like, they're still better than whatever 24-year-olds they can find pitching in like low A for the Reds or whatever. Yes, but this team also has a lot of very exciting young players. Um, Obviously, as a Mariners fan, I'm hyped about Matt Brash, Um, but some good prospects. Bo Naylor's in there. Edouard Julien is going to be playing, which is great. People get to get to learn that name. And then, you know, Owen Casey, Denzel Clark, two really exciting outfield prospects. So we'll see how much they play. But Canada's Canada's solid. I don't think it's as impressive of a roster as Mexico, but it's it's good. They could definitely win some games. Yeah, Great Britain, the last team in We'll see names, you know, Vance Worley just yes. still kicking around. He'll be mm-hmm. their ace as much as someone can be. Mm-hmm. The best player on this team is probably Trace Thompson, mm-hmm. who was randomly outrageously good for the Dodgers last year. Yeah. At one point, Jazz Chisholm said he was going to play for Great Britain. He is not on the roster. And that's the thing to know about Great Britain is because of the way citizenship works, uh, the, the, the citizenship rules work and for eligibility all the Bahamians are eligible to play for Great Britain. And so you will see a lot of them, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, Lucius Fox. Uh, you will see him who One of, uh, has been up a little bit. You'll also see BJ Murray, who you might not recognize that name, but you'll hear his name shouted out later on in our conversation with PCA as a Cubs prospect, uh, definitely to know. And again, I'm, I'm hyped about Harry Ford, not just because he's a Mariners. I mean, he carried them in the qualification. He was unbelievable for them there. Um, and yes, he's got, he's got a British lineage as well, which is very cool. So yeah, the, the, the British team is usually pretty, pretty fun to watch. The two fun things about this team though. Okay. Mm-hmm. Michael Roth, who was the ace on two South Carolina college teams that mm-hmm. won the world series back to back years, I believe in 10 and 11 or nine and 10, mm-hmm. he was the ace on both of those teams. One of the greatest college pitchers ever. He oh, yeah. made it up to the big leagues, had a cup of coffee Hasn't pitched professionally since 2019. Sells real estate in South Carolina now. 33 years old. Pitching for Great Britain. Love that. On the flip side, there is a kid named Mateo Solacito, who is a current senior at Swarthmore College University. 
Yes, Swap more College is right. That is a college. That is not a university. That D3 is D three baseball. Sure. This guy is D3 a D three baseball. baseball player. He's playing against like fucking Hopkins. Yes, okay? he's pitching and, against like Johns Hopkins. He's going to be pitching. If he gets into a game, he'll be pitching against America. He's going to face like. <laughs> Mike and, Trout. and this is this is Mike amazing. Trout. This is amazing. And I he was part of the qualification team as well. I don't believe he got into a game during the qualifications, but he was there in Germany. And he's one of Swat Swarthmore's best pitchers. I, I know hope this. So. Yeah. Well, we're friendly with the coach, and he had a great attitude about it. Shouts out Matt Midkiff because it's like. What am I going to tell him? No, don't go play in the WBC. Like if you're a coach, if you're a college coach and you're stopping your guy, cause it's like, no, sorry, we need you, you know, against Gettysburg. Like, no, this is ridiculous. Like, no, you go play in the WBC. If you get that invite and I'm, and I'm glad that coach Midkiff obviously has that, uh, that, uh, that D1, attitude. D1 is a little different, I think. Right. I don't care. Dude. No, it's not. It's not. If you have this opportunity, in my opinion, it's, 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 there's no way I would be telling my player not to go during this. It's just not even the post. It's the beginning of the year. Right. So yeah. there's no, there is no scenario where I, and maybe it's happened. It's, it's very possible that that has happened and we haven't known about it where a pl- active college player has been asked and their coach said no. I think that's crazy. I think if you're getting invited to the WBC, you absolutely need to be going to that. So Pool D, Jordan is going to be in Miami, and that's appropriate because this group is Latin America and the Jews. Let's start with Puerto Rico, who will be managed by Yadier Molina. Mm. Now, I think that that's a bad idea because Mm. he's barely done it before. I understand he's been sort of managing like the last 10 years with the Cardinals. He just spent the whole winter managing uh, in Venezuela. So he he did just admit... Well, why? What? What's different? Is you're still managing a bunch of? I don't know. It's eight games. It's not like he doesn't know how to do it. I mean, it's also this is a different than than keeping a clubhouse together over the course of an entire season. I mean, it's literally one week. Like, I don't think what difference. That's does it make. my point. I think that it, what the guy I would want to manage this team would be someone who is good at in-game management because in these big scenarios, I think having that type of experience matters way more than like being a that's vibe true. God who's friends with everybody. I just that's, think it's no, a I, that's hire. that I'm totally with you on that. And there was some controversy about Yadier Molina ending up with this job. And I, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. I'm just saying, I'm just saying it's not like he doesn't know the rules of the sport. Like he'll be fine. And honestly, it makes I it way worse. Like, I don't care. Up. I know I'm, he knows the rules of the sport. I'm not really saying. I'm not rooting for Puerto Rico. I don't care. I'm, I I think this is great. This is better for theater. If Yadi Molina makes horrible managerial decisions in this tournament, that is amazing. That is like, that is the best possible scenario for an entertainment sport, for an entertainment I, situation. I agree with you. My point is that if you're running Puerto Rico's Baseball Federation and you give Yadi this job right now where he's barely ever managed in any type of high leverage situation, I think it's an outrageous thing to do. I think I it makes no sense. Love and it. you're potentially- <laughs> like capsizing uh, what could be an incredibly talented team. Now, maybe Yachty goes out there and he's like peak Earl Weaver and Puerto Rico wins the whole thing. Maybe. But I'm just saying, I I know it's a cool story and maybe I'm pissing on a parade here. It just doesn't make any sense to me. As far as who on this team, you know, well, uh, most of these people, uh, Kike Hernandez, Javi Baez, Francisco Lindor, no Carlos Correa this year. So I don't know, maybe it's his ankle. 
Uh, actually not, although I'm sure people assume that. Sounds like he's having another baby, uh, and that is why he would like to be uh, around for that to possibly happen instead of playing um, for Team Puerto Rico. But I like this one because we got both Diaz brothers. I'm excited to see the possibility of of a Diaz to Diaz, you know, eighth to the ninth. Uh, also, the other Edwin Diaz as well, who is a, a minor league infielder for the A's. So, I mean, this this team's good. This team is, like... In a normal year, if they were in, even if they were in, you know, Pool C, I'd be like, damn, here we go, Puerto Rico. Unfortunately, <laughs> they're a little bit uh, outclassed in overall talent by the next teams we're going to talk about. Venezuela. Venezuela is the best baseball country in the world that has underwhelmed to such an extent at the WBC. They have never made it, I believe, into the, they made it into the final four once, but they've never made it to the championship game as the third biggest producer of big league talent in the world. They have quite a group showing up for this year for the 2023 tournament, led, of course, by the one and only Ronald Acuna Jr. Yes, and his involvement was certainly wavering over the last few months. And when his announcement that he was actually going to play was one of the bigger surprises, and, and in a good way, because it just seemed like it wasn't going to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's the best. He's he's amazing. I feel like what we got of Ronald last year for the Braves was just like such a muted version of how ridiculously good he is, and I'm so excited to see him on a stage like this. But it's a really good team. I mean, we got Glaber on there. We got Suarez on there. Andres Jimenez, of course, who I well, think that's, just had, yeah. The infield. Is the infield wild. is crazy. Yeah, the infield is insane. The infield is insane. Luis Arise, who I assume will be playing first base. So I think it's going to be Arise at first, Glaber at second, uh, Suarez at third, and then Andres Jimenez playing short. And then Salvi catching. Um, sure. Yeah. Do you have the roster up in front of you? It's going to be Luis Arise at first, fucking Jose Altuve. Oh, Jose Altuve. Yeah, will sorry. Will second base. <laughs> so Glaber <laughs> will be DHing. I apologize. I, I, didn't I don't Altuve. think Glaber will be Starting, I think it'll be Arise at first. It'll be Altuve at second. It'll be Jimenez at short, and then third base will be either Eduardo Escobar or Suarez. And then Suarez, the other that's one, what I said. Will, yeah. yeah, but you would you got a DH Escobar or Miggy over Glaber Torres? Oh, I'd, I'd I'd rather DH Torres, but either way, I don't know. I think I think it'll be it'll be close. But there a lot of depth in the infield. The outfield with Acuna is a little looks a little better. It looks like it'll be. Um, him, uh, Santander, I'm sure uh, you're excited about that one. And then David Peralta, who just signed with the Dodgers. I hope that that's not one where, because he just signed with a new team, he's not going to play. But um, that's one to watch. Uh, we'll see, because that's not a lot of, I guess some of these other guys could play outfield conceivably, like Luis Renifo. And, but yeah, the, the outfield is a little thin. I would say, I will say that. Um, but doesn't matter when your infield is that good. Pitching also, pitching's pretty good. We got Marquez, we got Lazardo, which is a, a, a big one. Um, who, who are some other pitchers you're excited about? Martin Perez? I, I think this is a really, really deep group of pitchers, okay? Mm-hmm. It, it's all about having adults who can start because of the amount of games in such a short window and the amount mm-hmm. of pitchers that are not allowed to play. Lazardo, Luis Garcia with the Astros rocking mm-hmm. the baby. Pablo Lopez, who just got traded to the Twins. Mm-hmm. Ranger Suarez, who was the, the number three starter for the Phillies their entire run last year. Mm-hmm. Eliezer Hernandez, who's fine. Like, he's like a totally fine big league Very starter. useful for a tournament like this to, like, throw three competent innings. Herman Marquez mm-hmm. with the Rockies and Martin Perez with the Rangers. That's like s- seven adults. 
what you need. This, it's seven games, right? So the most games you can play in the WBC is seven. So yeah. that is, yeah, that is a good, you're in a good spot there. And Eduardo Rodriguez too. I mean, it, obviously he just had a very weird, bad season, but like that's obviously another guy with a major league starting pedigree. I think Venezuela is a dark horse for this tournament. Them being paired with the Dominican, who we're going to get to in a second, kind of overshadows how good I think Venezuela is. That being said, let's talk about <laughs> Team DR. Holy shit. I was going to say, should we do this now or should we go through Israel and Nicaragua before we talk about the absurd DR team? Uh, let's talk about this. I mean, yeah, it's I. what more could you possibly want on this roster? I mean, I guess we're missing some guys, but not really. <laughs> like, it feels like we, I guess there's no Jose Ramirez. I know that's that's one of the biggest ones that we're missing, but like, I can't get too worked up about it when you've got Soto, Vlad Jr., <laughs> Machado, Julio, Wander Franco. I mean, there are going to be some amazing players just hanging out on the bench. It's really that simple. Um, and and that's but that's you know that's the beauty of this team. Now the biggest difference for this team compared to previous years, right, is that the pitching looks better than previous Dominican teams pitching. Yes. We've got Christian Javier who just signed that extension with the Astros. We've got. Uh, Johnny Cueto, who is an adult pitcher for the Miami Marlins. We've got uh, the Cy Young, oh, Sandy yeah. Alcantara. He was good, good one to mention. That maybe would have led with him. Yep, Sandy. Uh, and then, and yeah, and Broanzi Contreras, a pitcher I'm really excited about. I'm really excited to see him uh, hopefully get a start on this stage. And then in the bullpen, I mean, the bullpen is where they kind of stand out compared to Venezuela, I would say. Um, I think Puerto Rico is maybe the only other bullpen that has something close to what this team has. And Doval, <laughs> Doval, Abreu, Gregory Soto, Diego Castillo is pretty crazy. Uh, you know, Naris, another guy who's a good, good, and Rafael Montero, a lot of Astros pitchers on this, uh, on this roster, which is interesting, um, especially after they just went and all went all the way to the World Series. Because there were some other guys, especially like Alec Manoa, who just commented how why he's not playing. Because it's like, yeah, because I pitched so many innings last year and I was pitching so deep, I got to be ready. Astros were like, yeah, fuck it. Go for it, man. Have fun. I, if Jose Leclerc throws an inning, the Dominican is fucked. That guy sucks. <laughs> Team, uh, let's end with Israel. Team Nicaragua, I have like nothing to say about them. Johnny Lasagna, obviously, is the main guy you've heard of here. Yep. Alex Blandino, Chesler Cuthbert. It is Chesler Cuthbert, how about that? Erasmo, dude, Erasmo is, I mean, he he could throw, he might start every game. I mean, he's, he's the kind of guy where you might want to just keep sending him out there. Yeah, not a whole lot of guys you've heard of on Nicaragua. They are managed by Marvin Bernard, who is yeah. probably the greatest Nicaraguan player in the history of MLB. But let's move on to a team with a very special place in our hearts. We are Jewish, Jordan, and we are baseball fans. And so Team Israel is the team for us. Now, we should just say Team Israel has two guys born in Israel. Mm -hmm. And one other player who I would imagine considers himself to be Israeli, that is Dean Kramer. Beyond that, it is a bunch of American Jews who are eligible for Israeli citizenship under the right of return and therefore are eligible to play for Team Israel. And I just love that that's what this team is. It's just a bunch of uh, uh, dudes that like we would just know from summer camp. But it's a beautiful spectrum of had bar mitzvah to just started going to shul as adults for the first time to, you know, I, my dad, we, I celebrated Hanukkah with my dad once good enough. 
Like it's a it's a beautiful, beautiful spectrum. We love it. Here is an article that I'm going to write. Nobody steal this. How many guys on the Israel team have tattoos is a great marker <laughs> of because you know in in, in Jewish uh, tradition you're not supposed to have a tattoo because then you can't get buried in a Jewish cemetery. That is like in my head that is like a level of orthodoxy, <laughs> right? Where like if if you have a tattoo, you are probably a certain not a certain amount of observant. Curious yeah. the percentage of tattoos on Team Israel. I, now, there's a lot of different things. To, we could do a whole show about this team. Let's pick out one or two things and start with friend of the show, former guest Garrett Stubbs, JT mm. Real Muto's backup for the Philadelphia Phillies, will be participating uh, and will probably be the starting catcher for this team. Yeah, uh, and then his backup, uh, Ryan LaVarnway, you may be hearing him on an upcoming episode of Baseball Barbacast. So um, a lot of of recognizable names on this team. I mean, guys that have been in the big leagues. I know Danny Valencia has become a very, very important part of Team Israel. He's been one of the more more passionate and and I think, uh, you know, include like he is one of the one of the leaders of the squad. And then, I mean, obviously the, the real headliner is Jock. And he has played for Team Israel before, um, but that's the guy who is going to have to really uh, show up here. Although I will say, if I am worried about, like, if if we're if we're painting a a picture for how in the world Team Israel, you know, wins a baseball game in this pool, um, you know, I think they'd have a good chance against Nicaragua. But it's going to be they're going to need some heroic pitching performances more than than offense. And I don't know exactly who those are going to come from besides Dean Kramer. Uh, Dean Kramer is fully capable, right? Like we we could see a legendary Dean Kramer performance. That is the that is on the table here. I think you have to start Dean Kremer against either Venezuela or the Dominican. Have and to. just oh you yeah. have to. And just throw one of the other guys against Nicaragua and hope you can get a win. Now there are like the middle of this order is is decent. Like Stubbs, Zach Geloff, who's one of the top prospects for the Oakland A's. Mm-hmm. Alex Dickerson is a big leaguer, big leaguer. Yep. Jack Jack Peterson's a big leaguer. Matt Mervis is a top prospect Matt- with the Cubs. Yep, That's Spencer Horwitz group. is another guy, uh, upper upper minors with the Blue Jays, and yeah, Mervis is another one I'm super excited about. Like he could totally hit a a huge homer in this tournament that could be super super fun. So, uh, but yeah, the pitching is pitching is thin. I, I I'm I'm a little worried how they're going to get through four games, but I hope <laughs> I hope I wish them the best. I do want to give before we finish off here, Jordan, a special shout out to a gentleman on this roster by the name of Michael Walansky who you yes. went to college yes. with. I did. I did go to college with him. Uh, Michael Walansky, basically, uh, again, we already mentioned, you know, Swarthmore, we're very into D3 baseball. But yes, went to the College of Worcester. He was a couple years behind me, and he was the best player, one of the best players ever come through the program and was a multi-time All-American and got drafted by the Astros in the 18th round. Um, played a little with the Astros, got released, had some injuries. And then he's been in indie ball the last year or so was just playing in the Panamanian winter league, like two weeks ago was with them in the Caribbean series and got picked up. I know he's still trying to get signed uh, by an affiliated team. So hopefully this opportunity uh, gives him that chance to, to kind of show out. I don't know how much he's going to play, but he is deserving. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's played in the minors and he's, he's played well in indie ball. And that's, that's kind of what you want to see for rosters like this. And most importantly, he's a nice Jewish boy. The, the coaches on this team, though, a lot of recognizable names. Ian Kinsler, Kevin Euclid, Brad Osmus, uh, Tiger Peterson, who's uh, Jock's brother, is listed as a coach, which is something I love. Now, that is the WBC, a short, long roster reveal preview, as is typical here on Baseball Barbacast. We will be back after a short break with an interview with non-Jew, but friend of the Jews, top Cubs prospect, Pete Crow Armstrong. 
Negro Leagues Baseball Museum President Bob Kendrick hosts the SiriusXM original podcast, Black Diamonds. The Negro Leagues didn't care what color you were, and they didn't care what gender you were. Can you play? Hear stories of the leagues and legends that shaped sport, culture, and society. That's why the museum is so important. It's like, we are never going to forget you. Episodes of the award-winning Black Diamonds are now available wherever you get your podcasts. We're not talking about balls and strikes. We're talking about your life. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast. We are very excited to be joined by a special guest. He is known as PCA, but he has a full name, three names, in fact. It is Pete Crow Armstrong of the Chicago Cubs. Pete, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Jake and Jordan, thank you guys for having me. I'm very, very pumped to be here. Let me ask you this, though, Jordan. He has four names, right? You've got a, you have a middle name, too. Oh, right? yeah. Do you have I a middle, have a name, middle name? I do have a middle name. The one misconception that people have or not a misconception, it's just a, a misunderstanding, I guess, is like at an airport or something, my whole name won't show up on the boarding pass, so they'll be like, Crow, and I'll be like, that, that's me, but, you know, talking about my last name, they think it's my first name. And then other people also assume that Crow is my middle name or that I just don't have a middle name because of the hyphen, and I'm like, no, it's not how it works. You know, I, I'm Henry. <laughs> okay. You so you could you have so many options for for the yeah. name that you could go by depending on the situation it seems. But let's let's stick with that. I mean, listen, we do, we sure do have baseball questions. But like PCA, like when you are a, a hyphenated name, there are pros and cons. I'm sure, right? So let's start there, right? What have been the the pros and cons of having a hyphenated name over the course of your life? Let alone once we get to baseball. You know, I've, I've started to love it. The, the, the other thing is like trying to fit it on the jersey, you know? Mm, mm-hmm. So like South Bend this year, they 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 stacked it. You know, they did Crow hyphen Armstrong. Under. Interesting. Instead yeah, of which, the, the wrapping it down the down the arms. Right. Like, <laughs> like the classic the classic wrap. You know, I, I actually don't enjoy feeling it like on my shoulders or like on my triceps sometimes. And my, my dad said it. He was like, no, I actually kind of like how they, they did it in South Bend. And I, I, I don't mind it either. So, you know, I'll wear whatever. But, but I think that the, the, the two last names adds a lot of, uh, you know, nuance to my life. It is a stylistic game changer to stack it. I have to say that could, you could revolutionize right? the industry for long-named right. athletes. Now, it, the, the hyphenated question for me has been a frequent point of conversation in my life. Because, you know, as me and my my longtime girlfriend talk about the future, right. we talk about what we want to name our children. And, and you know, I, I <laughs> understand that it's not fair as the man that I just get to make the kid's last name mine if she wants the kid to have our last name. But I have generally been resistant to the hyphen, to be honest with you. No offense to hey, you, Mr. Carl Armstrong. But none for taken. me, what happens if you fall in love with a hyphenated person? Mm. what happens with the kids man have you thought about I, this uh i have just because like the amount of times that we've joked about what that would look like is is actually more than you'd think um so it's a great question you know and i don't really know the answer because the reason that my parents kept both is the is is my mom wanted um her last name to live on you know yeah um and so i don't even really know like how I planned on doing it. Cause I obviously want to give my future wife the option too. So, you know, it, it could, it could go, we could have some real fun with it and go like, <laughs> if double hyphens a thing, we could do that. 
or just like piece it all together and I give my child like a long ass last name. Oh, I was going to say, we could end up getting, I mean, talk about, you think about how crowded those jerseys are getting, right? But but at the same time- You have like a whole roster on the back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we're really getting all kinds of, of confusion there. Now I will say it's, it also, we, we also wanted to ask you about this because it is a thing that has become way more common recently in sports. In, and and we, we just learned that it only, or Ryan Roland Smith, someone who we know uh, pretty well, who's right. in the, he's a, a broadcaster. He was the first one, and that was you know this century, right? So really? this is very uncommon. I know we have some of the minors now. Uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand is another one. Now that's a lot of letters to, to you know pack onto a jersey. And I, I will say, as far as uh, hyphenated names go, yours is smooth, man. Crow Armstrong is like, mm, like that just hits. Like I'm not, it's not a mouthful. Like it's, it's easy, but some of the other ones are like getting a little, a little crazy. Um, like, but we yeah. have, who are some of the other, who are some of your other favorite hyphenated name athletes? I know, I know SGA in the NBA is probably the big one right now. You know, no, that's, that's, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll do respect to, to Shay. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of him. I just don't watch him all that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dorian Finney Smith, I think, is super <laughs> underrated. Even better, super timely, just traded. Yeah, that guy is gonna he's gonna go play very well in New York. I think. I, I, I'm telling you, man. I, I wish the that the Mavericks were able to keep him somehow because I, I like watching like I like watching basketball a lot, and uh, I'm a big fan of Luca as is everyone, and I've always been surprised by Dorian Finney Smith. Man, he's he's reliable. But but what I'm hearing, Pete, is that if his name was just Dorian Smith. I'm not sure you're shouting him out right now. Like, sure. I know I asked I mean, you a specific question, but like there are other players with his skill set. But you notice that hyphen and you're like, that's my guy. That's You my know guy. what? I feel like subconsciously in the moment, that's probably exactly what happened. <laughs> you know, uh, I think I think that, yeah, probably when I heard that on TV and I saw him hit like a nice little smooth corner three, I was like, yeah, all right. You guys like, guys. Me. <laughs> well, so- guys like me. Well, so. I believe there have only been three hyphenated big leaguers ever by my research. And that's Ryan Roland Smith, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and Austin Bibbins Dirks. And you have a real chance. Now, I'm sure your sights for your career and your goals are, are higher than what I'm about to say. But you do have a chance to be the greatest hyphenated baseball player of all time. That's no, kind of no nuts to think about. It is. It is. And that's pretty exciting, too. Like, again, that's... Uh, that's that's a stat my dad would love. Like that's that's good stuff right there. That's definitely something to shoot for now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when did people start calling you PCA? You know who I'm I'm gonna give credit to uh, to Kevin Martin. He's a scout with uh, the Atlanta Braves uh, in my area back home. And honestly, he's like the first person that I ever heard call me that. And he'll take credit for it, but. I'm going to give him credit anyways, because I, I really do think it was him. Because um, if there's one thing scouts love, it's shorthand. Yeah. <laughs> you know they need it. Yeah. That's yeah. that's a great. So interesting. So it was never, never in middle school, never. You were just Pete? Oh, my gosh. Middle middle school, I – yeah. I, I've never got referred to by my initials. In middle school, it, like, I had friends that would call me Peter because my real name isn't actually Peter. It's just Pete. Um. Uh, and like, wait, so wait, wait, really? Of, yeah. 
Oh, then we got to get your baseball reference connect, uh, corrected because I'm pretty sure your baseball reference says Peter. Just the it also it. has a picture of him in a Mets hat, so we really need to update this. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that that think I'm Peter. Like I think even I, I still get some emails that say Peter from like, uh, oh gosh, from like Adidas or something like that. When it's like, did I accidentally put in Peter? Like sometimes I feel like I'll I'll assume my own name is Peter. You know. That's incredible. All right, let's pivot. <laughs> let's pivot to baseball. Yeah, why not? You know, we might as well. We might. You you had a fascinating 2022. You missed most of the 2021 season with an injury, and you came back this year. And you were one of the bigger, you know, prospect blowups I think that we had all year. So I mean, I, I'll let's start with the injury. What was the experience like of not being able to play baseball on a day to day basis? Something that had been I'm sure become such a, like, you know, a a part of your life that you took for granted. You, especially being from California, like you wake up every day, it's nice outside, you play baseball. How was the transition of, of learning to not play as you were rehabbing? Exactly. That is like the biggest reason is just, it's the simple, like reality that a, you, you may not realize it, but it is, the first time in your entire life that you've taken more than three months off of, of baseball. Readjusting to, or like adjusting to not getting to play every day. Was there a, um, was there something that you turned to during that time off to kind of fill your time? Um, shoot. Like remember when Clay Thompson tore his ACL and he got really into boats? Yes. Yes. Clay Thompson is, is, hilarious by the way and he's got a crazy jumper which he's he's yeah that guy's a man um not right away i think being uh 20 i guess um or 19 i don't even remember how old i was i was 19 um i didn't really have a great enough maturity i don't think to like go into it right away and have it figured out um i think i was super i was super unaware of like how, you know, again, what we said about, uh, it's the first time in my life, not playing for this, this amount of time. Like I was super unaware of how that was actually affecting me because a lot of our time mm. as baseball players is spent up like that. Like, you know, that, and you know, it's kind of all we think about. It's, it's a lot of, uh, what we identify with. And so I didn't get off to a, a great start and rehab. I don't think at all. Um, I think that I ended up picking up books, uh, and I, I've always liked to kind of read, but I've never been super committed to it. So, you know, I picked up books and that was probably the biggest thing for me, books, music. Um, you know, I, I, I actually found a, a different kind of love of, of working out too. Um, just cause it was like, I'm focusing on, you know, strength and flexibility and whatever in like every aspect of my body, but like. I have to be able to adapt now to doing it in a different way. And, and that was a long explanation, but you know, yeah, I don't think I got off to a great start, but then I ended up figuring, you know, it out as, as right. I was kinder to myself and you know, all that stuff. Yeah. It's like pausing your identity in a way, yeah. right? It's a very bizarre process. Jordan, what are you yeah. gonna say? Well, well, then, you know, you've only played six games and you're rehabbing and then you get traded. And it's like, well, this isn't something, this would be the last thing that I would be expected to be happening right now as I'm trying to figure out how to, how to not play baseball. And now suddenly I'm not even going to be playing baseball for the team that just right. picked me. Then finally, 2022, 
healthy PCA is here and ready to play some goddamn baseball. Finally, right? Straight up. Straight like, up. oh man, like that must have just been the best. And you get to do it. You go, you play at multiple minor league levels. So what was the first full season like? Because you were obviously hankering to play for multiple years at this point. So what yeah. was the most fun part? What was the most surprising part of your first full season? The surprising part was how different my experience of the minor leagues now has been versus what people have told me, you know, and I think that um, that's a big credit to like just who we are as a Cubs organization, because I'm not saying that my experience was, you know, different with New York. I just didn't really play at all. Like my, you didn't have an experience. That's not right. (laughs) So I didn't even really get one, Yeah, but you know, you hear like, Oh, like, you know, a lot of Latin players and a lot of American players don't get along. Or not even that, but, like, they just don't really associate. They don't mix. Right, they don't mix. And the one thing about us is, like, in Myrtle Beach, it was, like, yeah, we were winning. But, like, we also genuinely just had, like, a fucking great time on the field. Uh, The crowd was super fun at Myrtle. And I think, like, us young guys at that, you know, level, being a good baseball team, like, we just had had a blast. And we played like we were having fun. And so, for me, like bringing it back to the COVID and to the injury, like having missed out on that kind of competition for so long and then getting my first taste of it, it, you know, in Myrtle like that on a winning team with other like, you know, big name players, but like a lot of good, 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 good baseball players. You got no idea exists. And I was like, this is not what I had in mind when this, when I, you know, thought about the minor leagues. Cause people portray it as a grind. And obviously for some people it is a grind, but I would imagine for you, like, for the better part of two years, you associated baseball in your mind with like a, a job, which it is for you yeah. now, obviously, but like, it was a struggle. It was hard. It was difficult. Yeah. And then you got to like literally be at Myrtle beach with a bunch of cool guys. And like, it re it like switched. Right. It was like, Oh wait, yes. this is actually enjoyable now. Right. Yes. No. Like I loved my high school baseball experience so much. Cause like a lot of the dudes that I was playing with, like, um, I, I had played with for years and like, you know, like one of my best friends or our high school shortstop since we were seven years old. And it gave me like that kind of feel again, um, where it's like, man, like baseball, isn't that serious. It's super fun when you get back on a, on a, in a team setting, especially a team that gels. And so it just started bringing back all of like the reasons that, you know, I play. And so like, I feel like this year, like I just gained so many more whys as to you know, why I play baseball, which I'm super appreciative mm. for. And um, even when like going up to South Bend, what was, what I loved is like, I got such a bigger sample size. Sorry to like run on with this again. I just, this, this question's good. We're interviewing you dumbass. Right. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> so, so even going up to South Bend, right. Like having a, such a bigger sample size of games. Now, like I'm talking about a first half of the season that's already doubled the high school season. So what I know is shifted and, um, getting to South Bend, we finished third in our division, I think, uh, the end of the first half. Maybe 500, I'm not sure. Uh, but then it's like you see the climb, right? So, like, we ended up winning our mid league, Midwest League championship and, and whatever. And, um, you could, I, I love seeing, I, I love seeing like what happens in, in, you know, not a real baseball season because what I consider real is is the big leagues, but um, it's cool to see how teams start to shift and how momentum starts to get carried and how 
like hot teams just like stay hot, some fall off. Mm-hmm. And it's like we saw, you know, our top four hitters of the lineup just sucked at one point. Like I remember I was I was terrible at one point and our three hitter, our four hitter, we were shit in the bed. And mm-hmm. our like our five hitter and then like our catcher who was hitting like seventh just carried the entire team for a solid like three weeks to a month. And then once everybody else like started to feel it again, they were still banging. And it was like, yo, if this is how like baseball works, I'm going to, I'm, I want to play this shit forever. You know, it was, it was a blast. Cause like in high school, there's no ebb and flow. Like you no. are the team you are. And like it's set in stone, like Han Solo. Right. right? right. Yeah. And, and you only got 30 games. So it's like, you know, the ebb and flow was like, very clear too just in the way that my my season i guess yeah went but yeah well and if it feels like you mentioned how fun it was to play with a bunch of guys that were really cool and you know obviously close to your age and whatever personality wise you also seem like the kind of person that is so excited to just meet people from all over the place and just (laughs) play with a bunch of people from all over the, literally all over the world, let alone the country, yeah. let alone different ages, let alone high school and college guys and, you know, Juco guys and all these different things. Yeah. I feel like and, that probably also Jordan, enhanced we got the a, experience. We got a sense for that from him, like watching him operate at the Futures game. Oh yeah. Futures game is a good right. example. I know you, you've played with some of those guys in high school, but there's, there's a way, like you mentioned, there's the larger sample size. There's just so many players yeah. you're going to come across and some of them are not going to make to the big Some of them aren't top prospects, but yeah, I feel like you also just love that scene and that opportunity. Dude, this, I signed up for this shit, you know, like <laughs> this is like that. I don't, I don't really, I don't really know how else to, to phrase it, but it's like, this is what I signed up for. I mean, like yeah. you grow up watching, you know, like my understanding of baseball was when I was growing up, this is like literally just plain and simple. What I thought baseball was, it was like, for me, it was a, it was a American sport and a Latin sport. And I was like baseline, that's it. But obviously as I got older, like as I start gaining more knowledge about the game, like this taking back to younger days and I'm like, Oh my God, the game is, you know, so much bigger than, than what I thought uh, even, you know, two months ago. But then like you get into pro Bowl and you get into the game and it's like, you're, you're like, your world is changing like every five seconds, you know, like something new is happening. You're seeing something different. You're seeing a ball hit further than you've ever seen before. And it's like, that's like, you know, that's what makes baseball exciting as a kid is like watching all of that, but you know, getting to do it and kind of have a a hold on, on what happens and you kind of get to influence, you know, the game in little ways. Uh, I think it's really cool. I remember when we started getting into this, Jordan, you, in Pro Bowl, like you gain such a big appreciation for how different pe- people are from different places in America and like how clear that becomes within the minor league baseball setting. Like the guy <laughs> from Maine or and versus the guy from Washington State versus the Texas guy and the Cal. Like they're just different flavors of ice cream, right? And it's yeah. just, <laughs> you don't totally realize that when you're just growing up in one place in America. Let's flip it yeah. forward. I think. And one thing that we wanted to ask you about specifically is center field defense, because that has become a really big part of your game and your profile as a player and not to neg you or anything, but like, you're not the fastest person in the world, right? (laughs) You're fast. You're like regular baseball player fast, but you're not texting, you know, friend from high school, watch this clip of this guy running fast. Right. Right. That being said, your defense by scouts grades out at the top, top, top of the spectrum. So I'm curious for you, do you take pride in that part of your game? 
And how do you bridge that gap of being an elite defender and center without elite speed? Yeah, you know, I the one thing I will say is TV will will fool you, like fool you. Um, watching shit on Instagram, on Twitter, like that'll fool you. I move a little bit better than I think shows on screen. Okay. Um, Noted. I, I per- Noted. I, I personally, I know that. Like I, 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 I am. I think I'm above average speed, you know, but I, but to your point, like I'm not nearly the fastest guy in the world. I'm not the fastest guy in the Cubs organization. Like, you know, I was the fastest guy on my high school team, but that doesn't say a lot. Right. Like me, me too. And now I do this for a living. <laughs> right. No. So exactly. You know, I, I, but I do take pride in my defensive work and I've taken pride in my defensive work for, you know, six years, seven years. Um, and it became my favorite thing when I was nine years old about baseball. You know, I love defense more than more than any, any other aspect. Um, and I'm telling you, man, like a lot of it's natural instinct just in terms of like seeing ball flight and knowing where it's going to end up and all that kind of feel. But like the other part of why I'm actually just good at outfield is because I've worked that shit for again, six, seven years, every, just about every single day of my life. Like, my high school coach was an outfielder uh, when he played. And so, you know, he was getting, he, he coaches in, in club as well. Um, so when we were 12, 13, it's like, I already knew I was going to be an outfielder. I had made that decision myself. Um, and so I completely just bought into what he would tell me. And, and he's just about the best defensive coach I've ever had in my life. Um, and, you know, I've literally, I've, I, I still do his, his drills, like his dry drills that I was taught by him, I still do them to this day. Like, just, you make you know, them, but you you talk about outfield as if you've always wanted to play outfield. Whereas, like, you know, I coach little league. None of my kids want to play outfield. When you're little, no one wants to be out there. Everyone wants to be in the infield and play shortstop because no one can hit the ball to the outfield. So, at what point did you move out there during your baseball journey, and when did it become cool for you to be an outfielder? Dude, I was the I was the lefty shortstop. Like I was about I, to I say, this way. this is what's pushing a lot of people out there. But you could exactly. still be a lefty shortstop when you're a little leaguer. Yes. Like you, we've seen that, and yet at some point you're like, no, center field's for me. Yeah, um, not gonna lie, I think I was nine years old when someone told me, "Hey, we're gonna put you in the outfield." Um, still played shortstop till I was like eleven. <laughs> uh, but I think I became a center fielder when I was like nine. Uh, that's when I got an outfield glove. Um, yeah, that's, I, yeah, I don't know. Like I never, you know, that's, that's the thing about me is like, I love playing every sport, uh, and just like in a, you know, more specific setting, like in baseball, I love playing every freaking position. I'm like, I I was, I was begging to play first base in high school, like in real games. Like I, I just want to do different things. Like it's fun. You know, like I like baseball because people don't realize how athletic you actually have to be to play this shit and to be able to play other, like people to play different positions, you know? Mm -hmm. So like you look at a guy like Chris Morrell, bro, you don't understand how athletic that dude actually is to play everywhere. Yeah. To play every, that guy, he'd get on the mound too. And he'd throw 95, (laughs) you know, I'm not saying he'd be Shohei Otani, Mm -hmm. but you know, like, if he, if you put him on a mound in a, in a tight game, like, you know what? Yeah. I trust him to go make it challenging on hitters. And it's like, you don't understand that how hard that actually is just, you know, watching sometimes. So, um, mastering a craft for me becomes super cool after, you know, loving so many different positions. 
is because like just getting to like pick one, focus on one, like that's what it feels like to me. And that's what I love about center field is because, you know, there's always like ways to get better at this. Um, You mentioned, you mentioned Chris Morell and I can tell you're very passionate about the sport and about your teammates and about everything. So I love asking guys, especially in the minors who are coming up in up and coming organizations, like give us some other names. I know you've gotten pretty close with Matt Mervis. He's someone that Cubs fans are very excited about, but like, who are some of the other guys that you have gotten to watch up close or have spent some time about that you are most excited about, not just, you know, to be your teammate, but just like that you love watching play baseball. So I faced Brendan Little today in, um, in live BP. Oh my gosh. He, uh, he's a left-handed pitcher. He's a freaking donkey. He's, he's, he's a big dude, like built, uh, lefty, uh, you know, he, he painted a, a two seam at just about 97. It felt like on the outer black, and then went slider slider but i'd never seen him throw uh until today and i will tell you that guy is he i i went back and said that's one of the best pitchers i've ever seen in my life um he's nasty you'll see him in the the show this year i think um you know bj murray's a good friend of mine uh he was in high a with me this year and low a uh he's a switch hitter from the bahamas and Mm -hmm. plays first third you stick him at second base think he could uh, i think he could go do that too but he just takes some of the best at bats I've ever seen. Uh, so he was someone I, I kind of watched like this year. Uh, and that's, that's something we were all kind of big on was like, Hey, like sometimes it's really important just to take from your teammates. So let's flip things forward then, because, you know, I think that a lot of the buzz about this team is looking at the future, right? 2022 and 2021, if you're a Cubs fan was not joy. It was not a, a, a fun time. And I'm curious for a guy like you, what is it like to look back and watch a video of, say, the 2016 Cubs and then project yourself? Obviously, the historic moment of 16 can never be replicated. We don't have to pretend. But right. to look at a moment like that and to see Wrigley packed and to imagine yourself standing out there on that grass, what is that type of experience like for you? I mean... I remember like time and place, you know, when, when the Cubs won, um, I think about that shit, like literally every night, you know, um, I think manifestation's big and, uh, I've had really good, you know, coaches in the past, you know, push that on me and, and, you know, like I like to, I like to make connections with things and stuff. So it's like, you see the South Bend Cubs, win their Midwest League Championship, like, to me, like, that's just painting a a picture, you know? Like, that's just starting to paint a picture, a bigger picture. And it's like, yeah, you know, 21-22 wasn't a blast, but, like, the reason the Cubs will, in my opinion, continue to be good for a really long time is because of the system that we have, how the development has gotten really good. But, you know, like, again, like, I just want to toot our horn as as players is, like, like we're really we're just really good baseball players in this organization that like that play in in my eyes like beautiful baseball it's it's really really hard baseball you know like one thing that i just i love seeing on a field is somebody that i know like where where, where they're playing at their speed you know cuz i play it like a probably a an 8 versus bj who plays it like a 4 or a 3 you know he's super smooth super swaggy like whatever i play a little like if i see that you're giving 
as much effort as I am, like, then I can't ask anything else from you. And we got so many guys who I feel like do that, you know, and that's just my own personal take on it. And, um, I, but I think that that's just a good way to describe it is like, you got guys who, who know they're really good at baseball and it doesn't seem like you can't see it in anybody's faces or body language that they are, you know, one, like unhappy being there two like super unhappy with their situation. And I, again, I can't speak for everybody, but like, this is just, if you're like from the outside looking into our complex, you see guys grinding, you see guys, you know, everywhere, first of all, cause it's always littered with people, but I think you just see like a, a very well, very well oiled organization. You know, I think we just, we all move very well in our own work and teamwork, like, you know, regardless of what they make us do too, like, regardless of what our daily schedule is like we always as players like we find a a way to to make it fun for ourselves or to make it yeah you know more challenging for ourselves just shit like that like i love this place man i i I always talk about it and i but i love it like i really do and and you know when you clearly have pride in that because you remember 2016 like we know what a good cubs how important a good cubs team is to like major league baseball and how big of a deal that can be and how much the fans are still going crazy and showing up on Tuesday afternoons. Have you been to Wrigley before? I know that you were there in Chicago at Cubs Con. Had you had the opportunity to see a game there? Did you, while you were in South Bend, maybe take a, a trip to go see the game? But yeah, no. have you been to a game? And yeah, what's your experience being at Wrigley before? Because obviously you weren't drafted by them. So I don't know. Yeah. You didn't just do the post-draft stuff. No. So I, I man, I don't think I ever went to a freaking Cubs game until I – was hurt for like a second uh over the summer this past season like i I banged up my wrist and i went to the city to get mris and i went to a game there uh it was that it was that tornado warning game i don't know if you remember that um or yeah i think it was tornado warning when like i think it was supposed to be steel versus darvish uh we're all like had to pack into like the staircases and shit but um that was my first experience of a cubs game uh but then they they brought us to Wrigley for the last three home games of the year, I think. And so it's like we're playing the Reds, you know, and uh, I guess two of the worst teams in in right. our division. Uh, still like forty to forty six thousand all three days. <laughs> right, like imagine when when you're you know you're in first place, right? Like, that's, no, that's that's the thing. It's like you saw it when they were winning, and my dad always told me this. He was like, "Dude, Cubs fans are the best." And I'm like, "Sure, bro. Like, I'll believe when I see it." But like, I've seen it now, you know, and it's it's crazy. And so, like, I guess that takes us back to the last question, where we we always talk about it. Like, some of us players who hang out and stuff, like, we're always like, "Dude, it's gonna be crazy to play for the Cubs," but then. We are, we're all confident in ourselves and betting on ourselves. Like, it's going to be crazy to play for the Cubs when we're all winning. You know, like, it's going to be yeah. nuts. Like, it's almost unimaginable. So, uh, yeah, man, I think the fans there kind of kind of complete the Cubs. Right, because, like, every organization, every team in baseball packs a stadium when a team is good. Right. Like, every every team in a playoff game, like, you know, you got the towels and the, the, the overhead shot and whatever. But right. there are very few organizations, very few teams, very few franchises that pack the place when the team is winning 66 games. Right? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan, anything else for our friends? No, I mean, I, I think that's a good a good note to end on in, in that you and, and everyone in the Cubs organization, I mean, 
you are just so excited to get there. And you know, you know, it's not necessarily going to happen this year or whatever. Like, yeah. but like you, it is so motivating to want to get there to that literal physical place and right. play in Wrigley Field. And I feel like that that is, uh, as you mentioned, thinking about it every day. <laughs> and I have to yeah. imagine that is a, a good, a good note to kind of take you into this, uh, this 2023 season. Yeah. Um, that's good but, energy to write out on for sure. For sure. There you go. Uh, PCA, uh, also known as Peter. Thank you so much for joining us on baseball barbercast, my friend. Yeah, I am so happy I did this. Thanks for uh, letting me talk a lot. <laughs> a pleasure. You're the and guest. And welcome back to the end of a nice, hefty Monday edition of Baseball Barbacast. It's good. Think of this as like meal prep for your week. You know, we give you a nice, large helping of baseball yeah. podcast and, and you can kind of split it up until Thursday. I was going to say, you don't have to have all of it here on Monday. You can you can uh you can save some of it for Tuesday, maybe even it lasts you until Wednesday. Um so we hope you enjoy this yeah, this hefty helping of of baseball barbercast. Uh Jake, unlike last week, we have actual transactions to talk about. We're going to run through these pretty quickly since this show has gone a little long. Let's do the extensions first cuz I think these are a little more straightforward, but Definitely interesting. Two different sides of the spectrum. You Darvish extending for six years with the San Diego Padres, despite being uh, 37 years old, 36 years old. Um, I've never really seen a contract like this for someone in their late 30s. Um, I, I know we saw Justin Verlander and, and you know, and Scherzer signed deals, but to see this commitment through age 42 for Darvish is amazing. And I think goes to show, I know some of the reporters mentioned this, how much Bob Melvin has trust in, in you Darvish and how much Bob Melvin values having you Darvish around, not alone just being one of their best pitchers. Um, and he was, of course, you know, scheduled to hit free agency after this year. And you look at this Padres rotation, and besides Musgrove, you know, they had a lot of guys hitting free agency with him, uh, with Snell. You know, they brought back Nick Martinez, but some of these other guys. So I think that I, I love this move. Who knows how long Darvish can pitch? But if anyone can figure out how to pitch into their 40s, again, I'm, I'm, I'm betting on him, even if he's not throwing as hard. That's the thing. I think it is interesting that they have essentially picked Darvish over Snell. Now, again, the Padres seem to have more money than God, and so maybe they just extend Snell to tomorrow or right as you're listening to this. But Darvish is many things and has been many different things in our baseball-watching lives. But he is, and don't forget this, an athletic freak. This guy is a monster who can throw 87 with his left hand, right? He is as good of a bet as any to remain yes. healthy and flexible and pliable and committed and engaged and working out until he's 43. And so for me, it's absolutely ludicrous to give anybody age 37, <laughs> let alone a pitcher who's age 37, six years. But if I was going to give it to anybody, I would give it to you, Darvish. And I imagine the Padres, I mean, it's tough to judge them. They're on a different curve at the moment. Yeah, right now. No, the other, it's, it's great. The other extension, uh, Christian Javier, the Astros inking him for what four years? It's a five-year, uh, sixty-four million dollars, buying out two free agent years. Which again, you, you look at a pitcher of this of this caliber, of this kind of trajectory, and you know, a year from now, we could be like, "Damn, Christian Javier is one of the best pitchers in the league, and he just signed for this." But for someone who also hasn't been starting that long in the big leagues, this is a pretty hefty guarantee. He'll still hit free agency at 30, which isn't that different than any other starting pitchers. Um, maybe he would have been amazing and stayed healthy and made a little bit more in arbitration. But this seems pretty fair. 
Uh, and I think it makes sense in terms of, I mean, the, the real takeaway here is Dana Brown coming in and being like, Hey, um, this is what we do at Atlanta. It works. And we have a bunch of amazing young players and we should keep them around because we know they're good. And also our farm system sucks. So let's just lock these guys up now. Yes. Yeah, so Dana Brown, who I think we talked about it last week, a little bit, the new general manager of the Houston Astros coming over from the Braves. And obviously the Braves MO was to extend anybody and everybody at all times forever. And I love how Dana Brown like calls to me first order of business is extend <laughs> someone, anyone. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like they're, they're maybe going to try to do the same thing with Tucker. I think that might be a little bit more, more challenging, certainly for, for position players, but you know, they already signed Jordan to an extension before Dana Brown was there. And that one is looking incredible. Um, they, and Bregman, right? So it's not like Houston wasn't already doing this, but I think with the pitchers is, is maybe a, a newer look and Javier is a great one to bet on. I mean, we, we know what he's capable of. He's coming off the no hitter in the world series. I do think this one could end up potentially if everything breaks right, like the Sandy Alcantara deal, where mm -hmm. I think what was it Sandy signed like a $56 million contract. It was like mm -hmm. a the most money ever given to a pitcher under team control, I think. Mm -hmm. But it was still felt like somewhat of an underpay because it was Sandy Alcantara. Now it was before he won the Cy Young, obviously. Javier is not quite, I think, where Sandy was at that point. In yeah. terms of consistency and amount of starting and whatever, but Sandy hadn't hit his peak yet that we saw this past year, mm -hmm. and I I would not be shocked if we blink in two years from now, Javier is a top five pitcher in baseball. Yeah, yeah, which is that's why you that's why you commit this these guaranteed dollars. So makes sense for both of those teams. A uh, couple other actual uh, signings here. A uh, couple bullpen. Finally, some relievers. I mean, there are a lot of relievers still out there. Matt Moore's still out there. But we finally saw Andrew Chafin sign uh, with the D-backs. And this is just a weird one. Like, Andrew Chafin, I, I believe, among uh, relievers with 100 innings, is like the fifth lowest ERA in baseball over the last two seasons. Just as reliable. Like, it's pretty boring. But, like, he's really good. And he's left-handed. And for the D-backs to get him for a year and bring him back to where he started his career, like, I mean, I don't know if that's changing the difference in the NOS, but I just don't understand why there weren't more teams after Chapin. That was a very, very weird one to me. Michael Fulmer going to the Cubs. He was fine last year. He was like totally fine. Nothing yeah. exciting, nothing sexy. Forever traded for Johannes Cespedes. But that's <laughs> that's really the thing. Well, Michael Fulmer is, he's also a good example of a guy who was like, all right, dude, just move to the bullpen. Like you're an okay starter. But like, just go to the bullpen. You will actually make more money there. Just focus on that and you'll be good. And it seems that he's taking that. It's like, heart. yeah, you don't make a lot of money. Just move to the suburbs. Like, just get out. <laughs> like, you can't afford living in. People are like telling well, me, just, yeah. hey, you live in Manhattan. Yeah, just move to New Jersey. Your money's going to go further there. Uh, the Dodgers <laughs> signing Alex Reyes, which I feel like oh, happened man. in October or November or every month in between. It's a no-brainer. Former all-star with the Cardinals who had a really terrible 2022. The Dodgers are just going to just like put their fingers up to his head and touch him, touch his forehead, and he will be their ninth inning guy. Uh, Jake uh, didn't throw a single pitch in 2022, which I thought he was also bad. He was injured the whole year, didn't did not pitch once in 2022 at any level of the minors or majors, and which is weird. Uh, if what? it did feel... <laughs> yeah, so he was uh, last we saw him healthy, which has been a challenge for Alex Reyes. Oh, yep, go ahead. Well, Are that's the thing. Sling? Yeah, yeah, like the last pitch he threw in the big leagues was the pitch that Chris Taylor hit out for a home run in the 2021 wildcard game against the Cardinals. 
and now he's on the Dodgers. That is a very good point. That is crazy. Wow, that's crazy. And to think that the Dodgers could could kind of get over them and be like, that guy's not so bad. <laughs> or this is like a version of the Will Harris signing, the national signing Will Harris after he gave up the homer to Howie Kendrick. Yeah. <laughs> Slightly different circumstances. And without the context, he fits all the, bo- the boxes of like, crazy talented, always injured. Now he'll have a zero ERA for the Dodgers. Hooray. Woo. And then I'll sign for too much money with the Cubs, Angels, <laughs> or someone else and be bad again. Uh, Dodgers also signed David Peralta, one of the best position players left uh, on the market. This one was another sign of like the longer or the closer we get to spring training with them actually planning on playing Miguel Vargas and James Altman every day. You have to sit there like, um, maybe we need to bring in another adult. Obviously, they traded for Miguel Rojas. And now they signed David Peralta. I'm interested in this one because uh, I think you mentioned this, but on a recent pod, but yeah, David Peralta, who's just been a very steady, quality, normal, good outfielder, this past year just went all in on launch angle and started lifting the ball like crazy. Also came with way more strikeouts, but his power was up a little bit. Super fun player, um, one of the best teammates in in the game, one of the just best people in baseball. I've, I've one of the guys that whenever I talk to him, I just love this guy. Um, and yeah, but I, I, I'm curious how the Dodgers will exactly kind of tap into that, but it is pretty late to sign him. Like I, I it does feel like it's, he clearly wasn't plan a, but you know, good value there. Uh, two things I'm thinking about one, it's just slightly worse. AJ Pollock. And number two is he was going to just play against the Diamondbacks in Arizona. He spent nine years there and now he's just in yeah, the division. Man. Yeah, no, he is. And he was not good after the trade to Tampa Bay. That was the one thing where it looked like it kind of went out of whack for him. But um, he's always been good for the D-backs. So I liked it in Peralta a lot. Did, and then the last one we have to talk about. Did not hit yeah. a single home run for the Rays. Yes. And that was after just going full, full, you know, elevate and celebrate. Uh, in the first half of Arizona. Last move is uh, another goofy Marlins trade. Marlins just given us some fascinating stuff to talk about as they do a little one-for-one. One. This is just a very rare uh, situation. One-for-one one, trading their recent first-round pick, J.J. Boudet, for another recent first-round pick in left-hander, A.J. Puck. Um, Jake, what do you think about this one? This is an indictment of the old Marlins front office that they spent a first round pick on J.J. Blade slash the current Marlins hitting development combo of those two that they couldn't turn J.J. Blade into anything more than a, you know, failed reliever who or failed starter turned decent reliever. It just makes me sad to think about for the Marlins, <laughs> really, than anything else. Yeah. I mean, to me, what this is, is uh, Kim Ang being like, I don't care about J.J. Bleday. Like, I need good players right now. J.J. Bleday has no path to playing time this year after the moves that they've made, especially with Jazz moving to the outfield and Brian De La Cruz moving to a corner. Um, he wasn't good in his in his debut last year. I'm not saying he's doomed forever, but they have no connection to him. They were not – Kim Yang did not draft him. And, you know, I think about a guy like Ozzo Campo – who, you know, who's come in uh, and, and joined that front office this past offseason. And he's looking at it like, listen, we just need better players on this roster wherever it can get. I know some people are looking at this as being like, why are the Marlins trading hitters for pitchers? But it also kind of goes back to what we had kind of been saying is how do we get the Marlins to get good is actually lean more into your strengths. This bullpen is not that good right now. And to add another good, talented reliever, um, I think it's good. Uh, again, is this, does this swing the move the needle in the NL East? Of course not. But like, I do think this makes them better. And if Blade blossoms in Oakland, like 
that happens sometimes. <laughs> that happens sometimes when you when you give up on guys a little bit too soon. But uh, and for Oakland, I mean, again, they don't have any strong use for a reliever like AJ Puck. One of my favorite things ever, AJ Puck, one of the tallest <laughs> relievers in baseball history, uh, is most famous for in college when he got in trouble for climbing a crane at a construction site. Which again, he looks so much like a crane, and yet. Why did he need to get drunk and climb a crane? Of all he was people, already up there. Right. Yeah, it's very strange. We're really getting greedy with his height. Like if Tim Collins or Marcus Stroman or Jose Altuve climbed a crane, that, that I would like, understand. Yeah, that's fine. Like I get it. You want to? You would like to see the world a little bit higher up. No excuse for AJ Puck. Anyway, uh, so he joins the Marlins, uh, Marlins uh, pitching staff, and we'll see if the Marlins have any other uh, goofy moves left in them. But I, I didn't hate this one. I thought this was a totally uh, reasonable gamble for both sides. Uh, I think that's enough baseball talk for today, Jordan. I don't really have anything else to say. Derek Jeter just uh, joining the Fox crew, our new colleague over there at our other employer. Love that. Wow. Can't wait to see him at the company retreat. He'll be around, surely. We'll be just like all of us. Uh, can't wait to hang out with, with Jeets. Um, but yes, thank you to PCA, uh, Pete Armstrong, for joining us on this episode of Baseball Barbercast. Thank you to Chris Tyler for providing us with both the Daryl George uh, insight and the production uh, assistance and, uh, you know, of course, of course quality of, of putting the show together. So thank you to Chris. Thank you, Jake, for uh, joining me on another episode of Baseball Barbercast. And we have a special thematic episode coming out later this week. Uh, you'll have see some details about that soon, unless we want to tease that now. We are both heading to spring training, um, but uh, you will hear uh, a special episode a little bit later on on Thursday. Uh, but until then, we hope you guys enjoyed this, and we will talk to you soon. <laughs> Serious XM Podcasts.